breaker one, breaker one might be crazy, but I ain't dumb. Crazy cooter coming at you. Hey, fast line, fast track. Y'all got your ears on out there? John Deere to New Holland. Just look at the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown. Backing up traffic all the way to town. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, it may be winter, but we're already thinking about some warm weather tasks. We're talking about some new hay equipment from John Deere, and Terry Burkhart with Allstate's Ag Parts is along to talk about getting that planter ready for the upcoming planting season. We hear about some of Tom Vilsack's key priorities if he's confirmed as U.S. Ag Secretary. Jesse Allen and Mike Zuzalo discuss the February WASDE report in this week's Market Talk update. And the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax, is back with another installment of Bushels and Cents. Finally, we hear the music of Fort Worth, Texas traditional country and western swing star Steve Marquardt. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Hey. That's right, we're talking hay today. And even though it's winter, it's not too early to start thinking about it. So first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we want to welcome in Chris Borgman, who's the Product Marketing Manager for Hay and Forge Equipment for John Deere. John Deere's got a new lineup of Zero Series mower conditioners that help commercial and non-commercial hay producers manage tight harvest windows by getting more crop cut and ready to bale. And Chris, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I tell you what, this is an exciting announcement. This new lineup includes the addition of the new C500 5-meter center pivot mower conditioner that with a 16-foot 4-inch cutting width lets you cover up to 10% more acres per hour. Yes, sir. We're really excited about that top model, the C500, uh, ultimately helping producers cover 10% more acres in less time, again, to fit those tight harvest windows. Uh, we all know whenever uh, a storm is on the way, we want to be able to get that hay cut conditioned and ready to bale in as short a time as possible. So that C500 is really going to help producers uh, get across those acres as quickly as possible. And not all those acres are created equally. So this lineup also features the redesigned C400, a four-meter center pivot mower conditioner that allows you to mow a wider range of tractors and handle hills easier due to the lighter weight of the unit. Yes, sir. We've, re- we've removed about 5% of the weight of that machine to really help with that compatibility uh, of that mower conditioner. So you can put it on some maybe smaller tractors or, or maybe be in, uh, you know, in some of those hillier uh, acres that uh, that you need that extra power boost for that, that, that lighter weight is really going to help out with that, uh, uh, with that compatibility. But also uh, we can, with the C400, we have uh, these larger forming shields that allow us to put that windrow about the width the full width of the cut almost and that'll definitely aid in that dry down as well so again helping producers get that dry that hay dry so that we can get it uh, uh, appropriately baled and, and and in the shed well chris we all know time is money and these zero series mower conditioners feature quick change knives which reduce the time you spend maintaining your mower conditioner from the standard bolted knives on previous models yes sir we all know that knives need to be replaced and sometimes in field there's obstacles and rocks and things that we might hit and so uh, the the ability to quickly get underneath that machine 
and uh, and 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 have a simply uh, a tool placed right below the knife. Lift up, remove, replace, and then we're back up and running. Just that simple, huh? Just that simple. I love it. We should mention that these mower conditioners are also backed by a five-year cutter bar warranty. That's right, Brent. So based upon years of infield performance of our cutter bars, we now offer an industry-leading five-year cutter bar warranty. Uh, all parts and labor will now be covered five years from the purchase of that machine. So um, we are standing behind this product just based on the infield performance that we've seen over the last uh, number of years with, uh, with these mower conditioners. Well, I tell you what, your ground might be covered with frost or snow, but now is the time to be thinking about hay for next season. If folks want to go check them out for themselves, where can they go? Their local John Deere dealer is going to be the best place to go and and find out about these new Zero Series mower conditioners. So go give them a thorough once-over. You can also check it out at Deere.com. You get all the information you need right there. But Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today on Fast Line Fast Track. Absolutely. Thanks, Brent. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we want to bring back to the program Terry Burkhart with Allstate's Ag Parts, which is not only the largest supplier of used, new, and remanufactured tractor and combine parts in North America, but also supplies parts for skid steers, planters, drills, hay balers, swathers, construction equipment, and all kinds of other ag equipment. And Terry, for the first time in 2021, welcome back to Fast Line Fast Track. Hey, it's good to be here, Brent. Well, I tell you what, I know where you guys are, it is absolutely frigid and snowy, and it's snowy here, but uh, the guys at home are just counting down the days until they can get those planters out in the field, and and that time is rapidly approaching, and you're here this week with some tips for getting those planters ready for plant 2021. Yeah, I thought it, with the frigid weather in most of the states, and heavy snow in other parts, I thought we'd try to get out of that mode for just a few minutes anyway and talk about some warmer weather coming this spring and uh, getting your planter ready um you know one of the real important reasons uh, to, to make sure your planter is operating at uh, peak performance is because of what what happens at the harvest um if you have one kernel of corn out of 12 that doesn't emerge uh, it, it's $12,000 of income loss on a 500-acre plot. So uh, that's just one kernel out of 12. Uh, so that makes a ton of difference. And with the uh, commodity prices where they are today, and most people saying that they'll hold through harvest, uh, you know, we certainly want to maximize our, our harvest this year. Uh, just like any year, but uh, this year, we're hopeful that everybody's going to be able to make some good money. And it all starts with having a good performing planter. A um, couple of tips for you on that. You know, our, the meter obviously is very, very important. A lot of times, uh, you know, we should take that meter completely apart every winter, uh, get the dirt, clean the hood with soapy water, um, go through it replace any broken or worn parts and just make sure that thing is clean and ready to go. 
um, you know, that's, that's where it all start, starts with that uh, meter. And then getting the, uh, the next thing is in the planner unit itself and getting the accurate depth on the uh, seed placement uh, is really important. And one of the quickest ways you can take a look and see if that planner unit is ready and not compromised. Uh, just make sure it's not loose or wobbly. Uh, you shouldn't be able to lift that unit up or move it sideways easily. And then look across your planter units from the side. Uh, are they all the same height? If there's one unit that's either up higher or down lower from the others, then, then that one needs work. Uh, make sure all those bolts are, are tightened up on those planter units and uh, replace any cracked or broken seed hoppers while you're checking it out. Then you've got, you know, the, the parts that actually engage the ground. You know, when you're talking about your seed opener disc, they need to come together in the front. Most planters are designed so that those seed opener discs will touch for three inches. You know, so, so check to make sure that seed opener disc does not have too much wear on it. Replace those discs if they're needed. You know, and then the other ground engaging pieces, the, the depth wheels, the coulters, the roll cleaners, and the closing wheels, you know, check those for proper tension and excess wear, adjust as necessary. And if it just can't be fixed with an adjustment, uh, then make sure you get those replaced. Uh, and then the last thing I want to talk about is the seed tubes. You know, those, those, if they get too much wear on them, they'll start to curl inwards. Uh, and they'll catch the feed. So replace those if they're worn. Uh, seed tube guards, uh, they need to have a minimum wet, wet, width, I'm sorry, and be uh, fastened correctly so that there's no damage to the seed tube. So, you know, just a few tips there to look at uh, when you go check out your planter. You know, the, the, some people look at this and, you know, if you've got a 12 or 16 or 24 row planter, you know, and replacing all of these parts on on every unit, uh, it can get expensive. Um, but you need to try to overlook the expense and uh, count on what the investment is in the harvest at the end of the year. Because if it if that seed doesn't get planted now, you certainly aren't going to have a harvest. Um, in the fall. And if they get into those planters and find faulty parts, I would imagine Allstate's Ag Parts has everything they need to get them up and running. All these parts are certainly available from Allstate's Ag Parts. Um, you can get those from tractorpartsasap.com, which is our website, or you can call us at uh, 877-530-4430, and one of our uh, customer service reps can help you. And you know what? Uh, put a plug in for those guys now too. We have over 2,000 years of experience with our customer service staff. So when you call us, uh, you know, you're getting somebody that has some experience. Uh, and if he doesn't have experience with the particular problem you're having, then the guy standing next, next to him on the counter there probably does. So uh, we're pretty confident. We're pretty pleased. We're proud of our people. And, uh, Take advantage of them. They're, they're uh, very sharp people and can help you solve some of those planter problems and problems on tractor tractors or combines as well. So hope that helps some people. And 
We'll uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, again, Allstate's Ag Parts has 21 locations nationwide, and they stock just about every kind of farm equipment replacement part you can think of, aftermarket used and remanufactured parts, all with industry-leading one-year warranty on all parts. Again, as Terry said, tractorpartsasap.com. Again, tractorpartsasap.com. Or give them a call, 877-530-4430. And Terry, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, We wish you the best of luck here as we round out winter and prepare for the spring planting season. And thank you so much for your time here on Fast Line Fast Track. Appreciate it, Brent. We're looking forward to the warm weather, just like the rest of you are. All right, again, we've been talking with Terry Burkhart with Allstate's Ag Parts. Well, next up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, as of Wednesday, February 10th, we continue to await the confirmation of Tom Vilsack, President Biden's pick to reprise his role as U.S. Ag Secretary. This week, we learn more about what Vilsack's priorities would be in the role. We also hear from Senator Debbie Stabenow, chair of the Senate Ag Committee. USDA Radio Stephanie Ho reports. As former Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack is no stranger to the position, and he noted his familiarity with the job in his confirmation hearing to be the Biden administration's Ag Secretary. The hearing was held on February 2nd. It's not lost on me, ironically, that this is Groundhog's Day, and I realize that I'm back again. But I also realize that this is a fundamentally different time, and I am a different person, and it is a different department. In his opening remarks, Tom Vilsack noted one of his early political inspirations. When I was getting involved in politics, I followed Robert Kennedy and sort of modeled my views after his, and he often challenged us to think about why not. I think we are faced today with a number of why not opportunities and moments in agriculture, in the food industry, and in rural America. Specifically, he told the Senate Agriculture Committee that he saw four why not issues. I think we are at a why not moment with reference to the climate change. I think there's an opportunity for us to create new markets, incentives for soil health, for carbon sequestration, for methane capture and reuse. He said USDA efforts to address climate change can help build up rural economies. Based on biomanufacturing, protecting our forests, turning waste material into to new chemicals and materials and fabrics and fibers, creating more jobs in rural America, creating greater farm income stability, and also reducing emissions. He pointed to another why not moment. With reference to food security that plagues millions of financially distressed children, seniors, and families. At the same time, on the flip side of that same issue. And also a why not moment on nutrition insecurity that causes millions of Americans, especially people of color, to cope with obesity and diabetes and other chronic diseases. I think we can create a food system that makes healthy and nutritious food more available, more convenient, and more affordable to all Americans. The third issue he highlighted was the openness and competitiveness of U.S. markets. The reality is we lack openness, fairness, and competitiveness, and and resiliency as the COVID-19 crisis has shown in many of our agricultural markets. So what does he propose? I think we can strengthen the rules and laws designed to promote openness and fairness. I think we can support more marketing and processing opportunities and facilities throughout the country that will help to create jobs, greater resilience, and more competitiveness in our food system. Meanwhile, Senator Debbie Stabenow referred to an issue that Tom Vilsack also listed as a priority. The USDA has a long and sordid history of civil rights abuses and systematic racism that has created economic disparities for farmers of color across the country. As Senator Stabenow has indicated, we need to fully, deeply, and completely address the longstanding inequities, unfairness, and discrimination that has been the history of USDA programs for far too long. First, he described his vision. To a future where all are treated equitably, fairly, where there is zero tolerance for discrimination, where programs actually open up opportunity for all who need help, 
and lift the burden of persistent poverty for those most in need. And then he described one of the things he plans to do to get there. We need to take a much deeper dive than has ever been taken before in terms of the USDA programs to identify what barriers actually in fact exist in each of those programs. And I would anticipate and expect that we would put together, for lack of a better term, an equity commission or a task force that would be charged with taking a look at USDA programs. Some issues such a commission would look into include... Identifying, is there systemic racism inherent to these programs? Are there barriers maybe intentional or unintentional barriers that make it difficult for people to access the programs? And if so, how do we correct that? What steps need to be taken? Meanwhile, a related issue he pointed to is technical assistance. We work with people who are trusted in the community. It's very difficult sometimes in those communities to go in from the government and say, you know, the old adage, we're from the government, we're here to help. Maybe it's better to say we're from the government, we want to affiliate ourselves with a community building organization that you do trust that you do listen to. Which he added also helps further USDA's goals. We want to work with that community building organization to provide the information and the technical assistance and the awareness and the steps necessary for you to be successful in developing these programs. Tom Vilsack also commented on the importance of fighting COVID-19. I recognize the unprecedented challenge that we face with COVID and while pursuing these why not opportunities will not shirk the duties and responsibilities of the department connected to COVID relief and recovery as well as all of our other responsibilities. That was USDA Radio Stephanie Ho reporting. We will continue to monitor Tom Vilsack's nomination process and bring you further updates as they become available. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, the USDA's February WASDE report came out on Tuesday and it didn't contain the greatest of news for commodities traders. And Jesse Allen is here with another Market Talk update to break it all down for us. Jesse. And thank you very much, Brent. And happy to be back with another Market Talk update here on Fast Line Fast Track for this week. And it's been a very interesting week throughout the grain trade, especially midweek. We got the release of the February WASDE report on Tuesday, and that was viewed as pretty disappointing uh, to traders as we ended up having a lot of bulls end up exiting this market and a lot of profit-taking midweek. And it's um, something that we really have to watch moving forward with our next kind of milestone in the road going to be that USDA Outlook Forum here coming up uh, later this month. A lot of funds decided they wanted to liquidate their longs uh, on Wednesday. And, you know, we're watching uh, maybe some rumors that China could be picking up more U.S. corn. We've seen some corn cancellations. We're looking at a China Lunar New Year coming in here on um, as we get into this weekend. So really... A lot of factors figuring into this market trade right now, and it's something that I talked with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics about on Wednesday's program, and I asked him what advice he would give to growers right now as they're looking to do some marketing, and here's what Mike had to say. Look, this is the heart and soul of what you and I have been talking about, about the sell and defend model. Do you sell it as it goes higher and defend it so that you don't have to catch a falling knife once prices go lower? That helps you ensure your revenue per acre if you're a a grain farmer and your profit per acre and your profit per head uh, and your revenue per head if you're a livestock producer. And so this goes right back to what we talked about last week. I have chosen because of the experience I've gone through and what I know about myself that I like to sell as, as it goes higher because I know my profit per acre at that point. So having said that and put that put that off to the side to get exactly to your point, I am not going to put my ego in front of in my analysis, in other words, in front of producers profitability here. And what I mean by that is corn and soy meal both made new monthly February lows 
a day after a key WASDI report. So not only did the market not do what we wanted it to do, it did the exact opposite in two of the major uh, feed grain industries that have been the real rock solid support in this marketplace. So as we are going into crop insurance base price figuring, days like today really hurt. They don't hurt you from a standpoint of bringing your average down that much, but because it's early in the month, these prices right here really mean a lot to your overall average. In other words, it's going to be really hard to get above 450 now in December corn for a base price. 450, 451 is where we're at right now. And the same with soybeans, 1160, 1165. But above those levels is really going to be tough unless we immediately negate these kind of prices. So that's what these kind of prices do to us in the month of February. And so my point is this, very simply, what I'm going to tell clients and subscribers is, We've taken out the monthly lows in uh, for February in meal and corn. If we don't see wheat come back around and provide some support on winter kill on a weaker dollar and on USDA's numbers being very supportive globally, um, if we don't see that this month and we take out the January lows in these grains, I am not going to stop from uh, getting some more hedges in place. Maybe I'll do more bought puts and less cash sales but I'm not going to fight the technicals because if you fight the technicals this time of year, you're really kind of fighting the fundamentals because the fundamentals are kind of laid out at this point. And to give you an idea, uh, we've talked about the inflation bowl. We've talked about the La Nina bowl. Well, the Japan uh, Japanese Bureau of Meteorology came out this morning and said, there's an 80% likelihood in their opinion that La Nina will be over by the spring. So you've got an inflation bowl that maybe is vulnerable now because of the CPI, and now you've got a La Nina bowl that's maybe uh, vulnerable if the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia comes out with the same conclusion here in the next few days or week. So don't mess with the technicals right now would be my vote. Get the hedges in place if you lose your technical support. Also on Wednesday's show, Mike and I talked about getting hedges in place for hogs, uh, for any independent hog producers out there, as a lot of uh, good strength in this hog market we've seen here recently. And a lot of those deferred months, when we're talking 80 to $90 numbers on the future side, so a lot of things to consider there. In feedlot country, this cold and winter weather is going to start impacting cattle and, and hogs as well. Uh, but something to look at there as we might be running up against maybe some issues there that could drop some weights or cause uh, issues getting uh, cattle to market. So something to think about and watch there if you're looking at doing any cattle marketing. And Mike cautions that with this cold and winter weather, we might see an explosion in the cattle market soon. That is this week's Market Talk update for Fastline Fast Track. Again, you can learn more and listen to previous episodes at markettalkag.com. In Nashville, I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, you can find Jesse's daily market updates at markettalkag.com. Again, markettalkag.com. And you can find him by searching Market Talk on Facebook. He also appears on the American Ag Network. And you can hear him host Your Ag Today weekday mornings about 6.50 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Rural Radio Channel 147. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Cents featuring our buddy, the hot rod farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget, you can check out all... All his great multimedia content at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. The windshield glass today is much thinner than in years past. This is for weight savings. Thus, 
they are more prone to cracking, especially in cold weather. In the winter, before the in-vehicle temperature becomes comfortable, set the heater controls so that both the floor duct and the defrost vents experience airflow. The warming of the windshield will lessen the chance of its cracking from a minor impact. Once the interior is normalized, set the controls where you want. Today, some windshields cost over $1,000 or more. You must harvest a good deal of crop to pay for that. Agriculture runs on machinery. Profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com, where steel and soil meet. And don't forget, Raybell Hacks has launched Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM Rural Radio, Channel 147. It airs each Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and again on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern. I hope you go and give him a listen. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we head on over to the musical side of the house, where our special guest comes to us from Fort Worth, Texas, where he's making some great traditional country music that we can't wait to share with you. Steve Marquardt, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. Well, how are things doing in Fort Worth these days? Well, they're great. Um, man, I wish I could I wish I could raise my blinds and show you the beautiful Texas sunset. Uh, I've got a uh, view. Uh, we live in a mid-rise condo building right on the edge of downtown Fort Worth. And we have the most, and we face west, so we have the most glorious Texas sunsets. Oh, wow. I always go out there and I say, look, God's showing off again. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it that brought you to the downtown area of Fort Worth? Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, I grew up in Fort Worth, moved here in 1968. I was eight years old, so do the math. That'll tell you how old I am, uh, late bloomer. But um, uh, I lived for a while in Weatherford, Texas, which is about 30, uh, about 25 miles uh, we west of here and because uh, I had a business out there that took me out there. So we had about five acres out there. And uh, when I when I sold that business and I figured realized everything was back in Fort Worth for me, we decided to move back. And I was just tired of all the maintenance that a, a place like that uh, involved. Had a maintenance guy basically on retainer and all that. And I said, you know, I'm just ready to tell my wife. I said, we're at the age now where we just I'd, I'd like to just do the lock and leave thing and have no zero yard work and maintenance and all that. So I talked her into it and we've enjoyed it. It has its pros and cons. There are times when I miss a, a yard, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not much of a yard person. So when I tell you what, uh, Fort Worth's got a lot going for it these days. Well, it's great. I mean, we're five or, you know, 10 minutes by foot from our front door to downtown Fort Worth in the Sundance square area. If anybody's been to Fort Worth, you'll know what I'm talking about. And there's just, you know, restaurants and, Lots of entertainment, lots of things to do. And then uh, to the uh, north of us is the uh, historic stockyards area, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of things going on there as well. And then we're, you know, in, in good traffic, 20 minute drive to the airport. So uh, we're in a good a good spot here. We, we really, really enjoy it. Before we go any further in our interview with Steve Marquardt, let's hear a song from him. From his new album, Home Again, this is a song that epitomizes the traditional country-western sound that put Fort Worth on the musical map. This is They Put the Western into Western Swing on Fast Line, Fast Track. It's the kind that makes you want to tap your feet When those twin fiddles play in time That pedal steel begins to whine It'll have you dancing in your seat In a west side dance hall down in Fort Worth, Texas 
a little place that they call Crystal Springs from a man named Milton Brown and Bob Wills there came a sound they put the western into western swing album uh you, you really have some stellar players on there i do I, I mean very fortunate uh for my first time out to have uh come across and, and and gotten acquainted with these guys and you know um i mean i had these songs written f- for the most part and then when we started out and I, I knew which ones needed the steel guitar which ones needed the fiddle or what i was hearing in my head and uh I, my producer uh, Dave Nachmanoff in California. He's also he also does a lot of the heavy lifting on you know lead guitar, um, mandolin, uh, you name it. He can play anything. Keyboards. He even plays a little fiddle on the song um, "Cowtown USA," which I, I blew me away. I couldn't. Uh, and you know, I told him I said we're gonna make a Texan out of you yet because he lives <laughs> way, way out in Davis, California. But uh, Dave is also a student of Django Reinhardt, so his guitar oh, wow. playing uh, fit right in, especially with some of these Western swing numbers. Uh, but, yeah, these other guys, you know, and, of course, with COVID going on, we did a lot of this virtually where we would lay down tracks and send them tracks, and then they would come in and lay theirs down and send them back to us. Uh, really cool. And those guys, I didn't have to give them much direction. You know, in fact, I didn't want to. I said, you guys, you know, tell me what you hear in your head and fill it in and and yeah. man, the product I got back, the, the the finished product was just beyond my expectation. And so I've developed a great relationship with them, with those guys. Of course, we lost uh, Mark Abbott uh, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, that was a tough one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just grateful. I was probably the last, my album was probably the last project he worked on. So. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just a, a true Texas gem of an album. And you can find it anywhere music is streamed. Also, you can find uh, cuts from it uh, on the Fast Line, Fast Track, Spotify playlist. So if you go check that out, we've got more than uh, probably more than 300 songs now of, of different artists, past, present, and uh, upcoming guests of the show, including Steve's work. So we, we put some of that on there. So when you get a chance, when you're not listening to the podcast or the live streams, go check out that Spotify playlist and you'll just be amazed from top to bottom at the collection of talent we've had on here. And, and Steve's music just squarely fits within that. You know, we mentioned earlier that you're from Fort Worth, Texas. Tell us a bit about what it was like growing up there. I mean, it's such a hotbed for traditional country and Western swing music. Well, yeah, I mean, this is cowboy country here, um, Fort Worth especially. Fort Worth and Dallas are almost like light years apart from each other. Uh, so when the Dallas folks want to really kick up their heels and maybe – put on their cowboy hat, even if they're drugstore cowboys, Fort Worth's <laughs> usually the place to come. Uh, and, and I'm partial to Fort Worth. I mean, Dallas is a great city, but it is a big city. Fort Worth has grown a lot since I moved here, you know, as a kid, uh, but it's maintained its small town feel. But they're, they're, the music scene here is robust. I mean, we've yeah. got, and, and the history of music here is just, you know, amazing. You know, all the all the people that have come through here and come out of here, and uh, so the venues here, there's no shortage of venues. Unfortunately, with COVID right now, you know, not too many people are out playing live, but we're we're gearing up for that. And, you know, um, I can't wait to get out there, get a get a, a band uh, together, I've, you know, be working with uh, Boo Miller and some of those guys to make that happen and get out and play some live music. Well, you talk about the history. Not only do you sing and, and write traditional country music, but you're also a bit of a historian and student of the genre. Where did that fascination come from? Well, I mean, I grew up, my dad worked in the oil field and kicked around West Texas, grew up down in South Texas on a cotton farm. And uh, he's just a country boy. And so growing up, my brother and I were subjected to his music, which was, you know, we're talking fair and young and Hank Williams and, uh, Buck Owens and people like that. And when we were younger, uh, we didn't appreciate as much as as I do now, but it, it was ingrained in us, whether we liked it or not. I mean, we would travel, you know, he picked up, uh, uh, you could pick up WBAP, which was a very strong signal out of Fort Worth. You could pick it up at night, just about anywhere in the United States. So we'd go on these long road trips and and I have very uh, vivid memories of listening to like Bill Mack's open road show. Mm. I think that became syndicated uh, later in years. And Bill Mack, of course, ended up coming on to Sirius XM and doing the, I think the Willie's place for a while or Hank's place or whatever. But anyway, uh, before he passed away, of course he was an accomplished musician himself. So, um, so you know, I followed that. Of course, I was in, you know, I, I, my musical tastes go all over, all over the board, Brent. I mean, uh, you and I talked about this. I mean, I, I sang with a big band for a while, did that for Sinatra stuff. I, I love rock and roll, um, classic rock and roll, uh, you know, uh, and uh, I just don't, the only thing I don't really care for is the heavy metal and some of that other stuff. But but uh, my musical tastes go all over the place. And, you know, what I love about music is you can trace its roots, and it's so interesting to see you know, when you kind of go down that rabbit trail of influences and influences before that and who influenced who, you know, like you listen to Hank Williams and move it on over, all of a sudden you put on rock around the clock and there you go, you know. Um, so, you know, Hank Williams, you know, to me was like the original first rock star and he 
unfortunately died like one. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, but my father loved those guys. And my father tells stories about being out in West Texas and seeing, going out and seeing Webb Pierce as he was going through doing a package show with several others. In fact, one time he's in 56, I think he saw Webb Pierce and he said, the guy that opened for him was this crazy guy that got out there jumping and jerking around. And he realized later it was Elvis Presley. <laughs> and he was like, who is this nut? You know? Uh, and so, so my father talks a lot, talked a lot about that. And, and as I've gotten, you know, more into music of all kinds and started tracing roots, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's all fascinating to me. So many people uh, that are watching this right now may, may know Texas has its own music ecosystem, uh, complete with its own charts and music associations. And it's, you know, within that ecosystem, there's a subset of country music fans who are passionate about keeping that traditional country music alive and Western swing music alive. What is it about that music that still appeals to, to folks in Texas? Well, um, it's, there's two diff two parts to this question because you're talking about two different types of music yeah, yeah. In, in a sense. I mean, Western swing, f first of all, has uh, is a kind of a special genre um, because you've got a fusion of jazz and blues and, and, and quote unquote hillbilly music that all kind of came together and all started, by the way, right here in Fort Worth. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit more here in a second. So remind me uh, and. and and that music just moves and makes you want to tap your feet. And it's, you know, uh, fun to dance to. And, um, and, uh, you know, just, especially when you hear Bob Wills do his holler, you know, his, ah, you know, just how can you not get in a good mood? listening to that country, traditional country music can offer that, but traditional country music may be the other side of the flip the coin, because to me, the essence of a really good country song, some of the best country songs are, are the real tearjerkers, the ones that, makes you want to, you know, hang your head and, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you've just suffered a heart a, a breakup or a heartache or whatever. And some of these country songs come on, you're like, yep, that guy knows, or that gal knows exactly what I'm feeling. You know, I mean, yeah. that song can't, he stopped loving her today. I mean, that hits, you talk about hitting to the core, you know, yeah. and Hank, Hank Williams knew, I mean, yeah, he, he lived a lot of heartache and, you know, he, he wrote his life out there. And so, um, you know, that that music, along with the sound, you know, you got the the traditional country sound with that wine and steel guitar, you know, and then sometimes you got fiddle or violin. And, um, you know, there's the shuffles that are fun, are fun to get out and dance to. Mm -hmm. So you can dance to it. You can sit and lament to it. You can go back to memory lane and think about, you know, maybe the one that got away or whatever this it's the stories. So, yeah. you know, these, and I, that's what I try to do with my music is tell a story. Well, this seems like a good time to share one of those story songs with you. This is Steve Marquardt with rear view mirror on fast line, fast track. I'll see you in my rear view mirror. I haven't left yet, but I may as well be gone. As you get smaller, my tomorrow's getting clear. I'll see you in my rear view mirror From the very moment that I met you You seem to be what I was looking for It flashed those big blue eyes And it was no surprise You had me from when you walked in the door 
but then I found out the hard way Our feelings towards each other weren't the same What you set out to get from me I gave to you for free Now I barely have a dollar to my name So I'll see you in my rear view mirror I haven't left yet As you get smaller, my tomorrow's getting clearer. I'll see you in my rear view mirror. Well, this shouldn't cause you any disappointment. Tears. When you're not having fun at all, the time comes to a crawl, and these past few weeks seem like a hundred years. In the long, long months we have been together, the joy we shared turned into bitter tears. And no matter what I do, there's no satisfying you. So the best thing I can do is disappear So I'll see you in my rear view mirror I haven't left yet, but I may as well be gone As you get smaller, my tomorrow's getting clearer I'll see you in my rear view mirror Yes, I'll see you in my rear Haven't left yet, but I may as well be gone. As you get smaller, my tomorrow's getting clear. I'll see you in my rear view mirror. Yeah, I'll see you in my rear view mirror. You got a late start in the music business. Tell me what inspired you to get into music uh, when you did it and pursue it like you have? Well, you know, it's funny you should ask that. I mean, I've loved music my whole life. Like I said, when, back when I was in high school, I'm driving around with my friends and they're listening to Led Zeppelin or Foreigner. And I, and I pop in a, an eight track tape of Frank Sinatra, the comeback concert at Madison Square Garden. They're like, what are you crazy? You know, my musical taste went all, all over the place in that regard. And, uh, and so I've always loved music. My mother was more into the jazz and the blues stuff. And so we would sit for hours with her record collection and listen to that stuff. And she would tell me uh, she, she knew some of those guys that played around Dallas. And she told me a lot of stories about that and gave me a lot of background around that. So I, I appreciated those finer points on the music as well as, you know, my father's uh, indoctrination of my brother and I with the country stuff. Uh, and so I've always loved music. Um, I was always one of those that listened to the B-side when I'd buy a record, you know, the, the deep tracks and uh, really listened to every nuance. And it was just ingrained in me. It was just something maybe God given. And then as I got older, uh, started traveling uh, in my business overseas. Uh, I started going over to Asia back in the early 80s and finding those karaoke bars over there when nobody uh, nobody knew what karaoke was over here. And so I'd try my hand to get up and sing. And I was told, wow, you got a great voice, you know, and 
And so my brother and I, uh, my brother's also got a great voice. And, and so we would enter these karaoke contests and win them, you know, and, uh, and, and against some pretty steep competition. So my singing, um, you know, I, I got into, you know, years and years ago, 30 years ago or so. And, uh, uh, and then fast forward, I, um, had an opportunity to sing with a big band for two years and do that Sinatra type stuff and really enjoyed that. Um, and then, uh, played the drums for a while in a little church praise band. And we would take, you know, popular songs and change the words and, and got into that, wrote a couple of songs, but, you know, had no idea what I was writing. I'd have to say, what is this sound? You know, and some, somebody, one of my fellow band members would help me with the chords and, and, uh, help me write it out. And, and then uh, did that for a while. And then, oh, gosh, four years ago or so, I'm sitting in the house one day with my wife. And she goes, you know, as much time as you spend on that computer or that iPad, you should learn how to play a musical instrument. And I said, well, I know how to play the drums. She goes, no, I'm talking about one that makes a melody. And I said, well, I've always learned, wanted to learn how to play the guitar. So the next day we were out picking out a, a guitar and uh, just started learning how to play the guitar. And then the all these songs. Once I started understanding basic music theory and chord structures, all these songs opened up and I'm still writing them today. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I got a, got a late start, you know, but uh, never, never, uh, you know, never too late. Uh, I'm proof positive. I've told people that, you know, it's never, never too old to reinvent yourself. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm having a blast with this stuff and meeting guys like you, you know, that's a lot of fun, man. And you mentioned you also have a brother who's involved in music as well. Yeah, um, from a different yeah, he's a historian. If you want to talk about Western swing, he's one of the foremost authorities of Western swing today. Um, and I say that in all honesty, and I think Billy Bowles and, and HD and those guys will back me up on that. Uh, and he's always loved Bob Wills and, and started going to those Bob Wills festivals like the one in Turkey, Texas, and, and started you know, going around and listening to some of these guys playing locally like uh, Jason Roberts and Jody Nix and Jake Hooker and, and those guys playing that traditional swing music and really immersed himself in that and got and, and, and the more he learned about the history of it and understanding that it all started here in Fort Worth, the more intrigued he got. And then uh, one thing led to another, and uh, one of uh, his fellow Western swing lovers from a different city said, Mike, you know, being from Fort Worth, you ought to consider – somehow exploiting the story of how Western swing started in Fort Worth. I mean, what a great story. Milton Brown came together playing jazz music and Bob Wills brought the hillbilly country aspect and they merged and fused their music together. It became a gumbo pot of, of uh, different styles. And, and lo and behold, we, it's the Western swing we know today. Those guys started here in the thirties, maybe late twenties. Mike can do a better job at that than I can. But Mike, finally, his passion led him ultimately into starting a uh, organization called the Cowtown Birthplace of Western Swing. And, and he, he uh, is now planning a big festival uh, that's going to have its inaugural event um, November 11th through 13th here in Fort Worth. And all the great bands, Jody Nixon, his Bob Wills, Texas Playboys, and all, I mean, uh, Jason Roberts and the Bob Wills, Texas Playboys, Jody Nixon, and his guys, and Jake Hooker, the Outsiders, uh, Billy Mata, and uh, the Texas tradition, the, uh, all these great artists are going to come to Fort Worth for a long weekend. Um, and uh, it's going to be an awesome event. And so 
So and you got and you got people, young people like the Quaby sisters. Those I don't know if anybody's heard of those yeah. those gals, but they're young and yet I got to meet them and sit and visit with them because um, Mike's doing a documentary film to to uh, coincide with this festival, a ninety minute feature length documentary, and he wanted the Quabies to weigh in on the film, and so we got to spend the afternoon with them, and they're so passionate, and I thought, you know. There is hope for the youth of the future. And you have folks like the Quabies on the Western Swing side, and you have folks like this Zach Clifton kid that uh, Billy Bowles featured uh, carrying the torch. And, and it just, you know, makes you feel really good, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that this music won't fall by the wayside, that it's, it's going to be in good hands. I'll tell you what, you, you're really uh, plugged into the Academy of Western Artists and have found a very warm acceptance from other artists. And as we talked about other country music DJs who, who play that traditional music, what has that meant to you to, to have that validation and that acceptance? Um, it, you know, especially when you are coming into it a little bit later in life. Well, you know, and it's funny cause I started out, you know, I had these songs that I, 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 I uh, had written, had a whole book of songs I'd written, started writing music, you know, shortly after I, understood basic chord structure. So I had this book of uh, probably 50, 60 songs that I'd written. Some I thought were pretty good. Some, you know, were okay. And, you know, um, but uh, I got with Dave Nachmanoff, who I met, he was touring with a guy named Al Stewart, who was a, a traditional pop music guy, really big in the seventies. Uh, did had a hit song "Year of the Cat" and "Time Passages." Yeah, maybe some of y'all will remember that, you listeners out there. I think you you know who he is. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Dave was his lead guitar player, and, and we'd go to see Al play, and I got to know Dave real well at those concerts that were at small venues. So I flew out to California a couple of years ago with Dave to to, to see Dave because I wanted him to help me with my songwriting. I wanted to take a have a weekend kind of boot camp on some guitar stuff and and songwriting mainly to see if I was on track. And so while we were out there, he said, well, let's record a couple of songs. Let's write one together. And so we did. And, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, one thing led to another and uh, I kept writing songs after I did that deal with Dave. And then Dave was coming back through Texas in March. And I said, come by and spend a couple of days with me, Dave. I'll, I'll compensate you for your time. And he goes, no, you know, I'm coming through Texas anyway. Might as well stop off. And so he stayed with me for a couple of days. And I said, you know, I want to do some more recording. And my plan was to fly out to California and record in his home studio. And then COVID hit. And yeah. so all these songs that we had pinpointed and massaged and 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 uh, tweaked to, uh, to, to get them uh, to a recordable fashion, we, we had to do virtually, which was an interesting experiment and it worked out really well. And, uh, and so as we started going along, I started, started thinking, you know, well, you know, there's, there's some good, some of these songs as we bring them to life, and especially with the magic of Dave's studio prowess. And then these, we got Boo Miller and these guys to start con contributing on some of these songs. They went from just being a, a record of songs that I'd written just so I could have something as a memorabilia piece to, wow, maybe these have some commercial viability. So the next question was, how do I get them? Where do I, I mean, I've got these songs, so how do I get them out there? And that's, believe it or not, my brother is the one that suggested after he'd heard a few, hey, you need to contact uh, Billy Bowles and contact H.D. Ainsworth and let me send some of these songs. Mike was the one that sent a couple of rough drafts to Billy and H.D., and they both, you know, cheered me on and, said, you get it to a certain point, we'll, we'll put it on the air. It's that good. And so uh, that's how I got hooked in with this whole AWA world. And then I went to the AWA 
um, uh, uh, fest uh, annual meeting a year or so ago and, and then met a few of those guys and then um, uh, got hooked up with uh, Dina Wood, who Dina is hugely instrumental with the Indie Express. That's the real portal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, if you're an independent artist and you're listening and you don't know about Indie Express, um, man, you know, what a deal that is. And, and Dina and I've be, gotten to be very close friends as a result of that. We just hit it off. Um, and, uh, and so Dina, that Indie Express gets you out to 500 plus DJs. And so when I released my album and had Billy Bowles do the world radio premiere, uh, my songs went out there. Next thing you know, I'm getting messages and calls from DJs all over the world saying they like my music and they want to play it. And and so I wouldn't have been able to do that without the AWA affiliation. And the, that led me to Dina Wood and uh, Indie Express. Um, what a great, great tool that is. Well, how about we check out one from Steve Marquardt here that shows off his versatility as an artist. This is I Don't Feel Much Like Missing You on Fast Line, Fast Track. Yesterday I passed the time Staring at the slowly ticking clock My brain told me to get out of bed But my legs, they refused to walk The day turned to evening And the darkness in the room Commence to creep I replayed all our memories And I closed my eyes Then I finally went to sleep Then I woke up this morning With sunshine washing my face Then I cleared my head And I got out That feeling has lifted and I think I'll be okay And I don't feel much like missing you today came to around midnight remembering when I realized you'd gone you left without warning me now all I could do was write this song the words flowed like water and the minute I was finally through I sat still in the silence Till there was nothing left In my head for you Then I woke up this morning With sunshine washing my face Then I cleared my head And I got out of bed 
That feeling has lifted and I think I'll be okay And I don't feel much like missing you today recording career is starting to take off what other kind of pet projects do you have out there uh, uh, on your uh, horizon or anything you hope to accomplish here in this business since you're here well i mean i'm i'm still recording dave dave and i are working together right now uh, on on we, after this album was put to bed we kept recording and we've got about another 20 songs in the can wow. that i'm trying to figure out what to do with um some are a good number of traditional countries. Some may not fall in that category, more Americana. So I'm trying to just figure out what to, where to take that stuff and find a similar outlet like uh, AWA slash Indie Express for the Americana stuff. Um, so if anybody can chime in and, and help me out on that, that'd be great. But we've got uh, a lot of music. Uh, and I, you know, like in the last two weeks, I've written five songs. Uh, like they come and then they go and, you know, that, that wellspring of, of inspiration is one of those things you just got to catch it when it comes. Even if it's two in the morning and you're in bed half asleep, you know, I always jump up and at least try to record some, an idea in my phone. So the recording thing is ongoing. Obviously, ultimately, I want to field a, a group of musicians and get a band together and get out and play some live stuff as things start opening up again. And I know they will. Um, I've had talks with some of my DJ friends in Ireland and in the UK and maybe even Australia about, you know, but uh, Ireland and UK certainly about doing maybe a show, some shows over there. Talked to some of my fellow uh, AWA artists like Johnny Angel and Kent Gill and some of those guys. And we talked about maybe doing the package show thing, both wow. domestically and over there. And that would be fun. That'd be awesome. Um, so, you know, other than that, I'm not sure where this is going to take me, but I'm, I'm having fun with it and I'm going to ride it as long as, as I can. And, and just have fun. My main goal is just to get my music out to as many people as I can and hopefully uh, have them uh, appreciate it. So, because that's what fuels me to want to write more and more music. 
So as we talked about earlier, the new album Home Again is out there on all streaming music platforms, and you can also check out cuts from it on that Fast Line Fast Track uh, playlist on Spotify. You can also buy it at markwartmusic.com. And you were talking about finally getting out there to be able to play in some live venues and maybe to be able to go uh, overseas and do some touring where, where they have such a, a voracious appetite for traditional country music. Uh, Billy Bowles weighed in again and says you're going to need an MC with a Texas accent. So I think he's putting in his application for that job. Where would I find that? Um, <laughs> maybe somewhere out in West Texas near uh, near Sunset or Slayton. Or, uh, uh, there's a guy I know that pitches Kailito Salsa. Maybe uh, I could get him. <laughs> That's Billy for you. Yes, I think that would he would be the guy. No, Billy no. Billy moves a lot of salsa on his show. I don't he know does. He, he's made me a convert. I can tell you that. You know where, where we are in Southern Indiana. It took a while for it to get here, but the Kroger stores here carry it and have since about uh, last June or July. And uh, that's exclusively all we buy here. So uh, you know, hat, hat tip to to he and Kathy Jewell. They, they they've uh, made me a convert here of. Uh, of Kylito's sauce, and it's, it is good stuff. Well, you let me know. Uh, if Billy doesn't take care of you, I will. We'll make sure you get uh, a whole variety pack of that stuff. I think everybody should try that ghost pepper. I'll I'll get some, and I'll send some to you, and you and I will try it at the same time. Oh, that sounds good. That, that'd be another live stream there. We'll, we'll get on this fancy, too high-tech program for me, <laughs> and, uh, and do a simultaneous tasting on the air. Well, before we get out of here this week, let's hear one more from Steve Marquardt from his new album, Home Again. This is an homage to his home state. This is heading back to Texas on Fast Line Fast Track. expensive cars then i went to new york city just to see the broadway lights but they were nothing like the stars on an amarillo night heading back to texas and i can't hardly wait heading back to texas to the lone star state broken spoke dance hall then i went to las vegas so i could try my luck all i saw were taxis not a single pickup truck heading back to texas and i can't hardly wait heading back to texas to the lone star state no matter where you travel in the good old usa you'll always feel more welcome in that Texas way, I went to Chicago, the magnificent mile. But these aren't Texas women, why well, they don't even smile. 
Heading back to Texas and I can't hardly wait Heading back to Texas to the Lone Star State Steve, if folks want to follow your career, want to want to download that music, uh, where where can they go to to keep tabs on everything you're doing? Well, uh, like I said, you can go to my website, uh, markwardmusic.com, and and if you order a CD, if you if you if you're inclined to do that, I'll sign it and send it to you. Uh, happy to do that. Uh, it's got some liner notes and things like that that you can't get on streaming material, but uh, my music's also available on, like you've said a couple of times, all the streaming sites, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music. Uh, Apple Music, iTunes, you know, all, all the streaming sites that, uh, and then uh, uh, also have an Instagram page that I need to work more diligently, as I'm being told. My uh, daughter tells me that, 18 year old, she goes, Dad, Facebook is parent book. You need to be on Instagram and <laughs> Twitter and all that stuff. So I'm kicking and screaming on that. But my website has a lot of information, a lot of behind the music stuff. There's a series of videos behind the lyrics of, of each of my songs on this particular album. And then some uh, interesting, uh, we've, get, we've been getting a lot of press. So I've got several stories posted on there and uh, I think some videos and things like that. And hopefully I can add this to it eventually uh, if I get the podcast on it. And then just hopefully one of these days we'll meet some of you guys out there uh, once we get out and start playing live music. I know my fellow musicians and I, fellow artists and I are chomping at the bit to get out there and spread the joy. Absolutely. And we can't wait till we can all go out and enjoy that music in person. And Steve, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track tonight. And I'd love to invite you back to uh, to continue this discussion whenever you want to come back to share new music or just talk about uh, music history or just uh, rap about what's going on here in the business. I would love to do that. Maybe we can have Mike Markward, my brother, on, and he can talk more about the festival in November. Uh, I think his website is birthplaceofwesternswing.com. So you can go there and find out more about that festival, too, if I can, if I may plug that while yeah, I have the opportunity. Please go check that uh, out because that, that, that November will be here before you know it, and everybody's going to want to make plans. And hopefully uh, we'll be back to some semblance of normalcy so we can get everybody out there and actually get to enjoy that thing in person because I know that's been a long time in the planning. Oh, yeah. And I, it will. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get back to the normal that we once knew. I think everybody's going to be a little more cautious. We've, you know, been gone a whole year now being conditioned. Uh, um, and maybe that's not a bad thing completely. But I think, uh, thank, thank goodness to a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that have come up with these solutions uh, with these vaccines and all that. I do believe that we will get back out there and things will start opening up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, hopefully by summer, we'll see a lot of good activity in, in the terms of live music. And you can bet that yours truly be out there trying to catch up on as many gigs as I can with as many folks as I can. Well, we want to thank everybody who's joined us tonight. Hope you come back again next week for more on Fast Line, Fast Track. And we want to say a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you go and check them out. They have a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. So stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line, Fast Track. And are you in the market for snow removal equipment, perhaps a new tractor or a new plant? 
planter? If so, head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. And while you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The FastLine catalog is still being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And don't forget to subscribe to the FastLine Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, Audible, and Radio.com. And also be sure to hit us up on all those socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.